Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at clearme.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. 
the battle lines have been drawn between the cruise lines and the state of Florida. It's all over the legality of requiring proof of vaccination in order to board their ships as a passenger. The state of Florida passed a law signed by Governor Ron DeSantis, making it illegal for any business to require proof of vaccination in order to deliver service. The legislation was clearly aimed at the cruise industry and carried fines of $5,000 per violation. Many cruise lines then opted to offer their trips as vaccine optional. But one cruise line went to court, and Frank Del Rio, chairman and CEO of Norwegian Cruise Holdings, sued the state of Florida and its Surgeon General, claiming the state was hampering its ability to provide a safe and healthy environment for its passengers. A U.S. District Court judge agreed and issued an injunction against the state of Florida. So is the battle over? Hardly. The state of Florida says it's appealing the ruling. And in the meantime, Frank Del Rio has just a few things to say on the matter. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Peter, it's good to see you or, or hear you uh, <laughs> in this case. Uh, but yes, you're absolutely right. You know, at $5,000 per person violation, um, we would be facing uh, fines of uh, over $20 million per, per cruise, which is, you know, absurd. And, uh, and look, besides the economic, and we didn't do it for the economics. We really didn't, Peter. We did it because it's the right thing to do. Um, there are officials around this country, not just in Florida, who forget that there is a pandemic going on. That nearly 700,000 Americans have died over 35 million have been infected officially. If you ask Dr. Scott Godley, who's the, the head of our sales safe panel, he'll tell you that number is closer to 100 million at least. And so we, we just, it, it's absurd to us that any elected official, any public administrator, um, any uh, legislative body, any federal agency wouldn't want to do everything in their power to control the spread of this disease and therefore the devastation that it causes to human beings, communities, families around the world, businesses. And, and we know that the science says that the best way to do that is through vaccinations. So we're, we're, we're logical people. You know, you don't have to overthink this. If there's a, if there's a pandemic going on and vaccinations is the way to go and it's particularly troublesome on cruise ships as we have seen in the past, I'm going to mandate 100% vaccinations. In fact, we we want to be so consistent, Peter, that we require 100% vaccination to return to the office and everybody has to return to the office. So no jab, no job, whether you're at the office, you're a crew member on board our ships, or you're a guest. So, you know, you see other cruise lines saying uh, prior to this ruling that vaccinations are optional on ships sailing from Florida. That doesn't seem to make any sense. I wouldn't do it. It's higher risk. It's a matter of controlling the risk or minimizing the risk. Even with a 100% vaccinated uh, population, uh, I can't guarantee you that there won't be uh, a, a, a case on board. As we know, Moderna and Pfizer, the, the two leading vaccines, 
are said to be 95% effective. Well, if, if you have a 4,000 passenger vessel like we do and other cruise companies do that have roughly 2,000 crew members, you got 6,000 people on board and they're cruising less than 100%. Even if you have 5% of 6,000 is 300 people, can you imagine? Do you wanna be around 300 infected, known infected people? The answer is no. And, and that's why we're seeing um, such a, a, an avalanche of bookings for all three of our brands. We, we said at our earnings call last week that we are so far booked for 2022 and beyond compared to any other period, including 2019, which was a record year, and at higher prices. So we believe that our more strict protocols, Peter, are a competitive advantage. I've yet to speak to anyone who says, oh, no, no, I, I would prefer to cruise uh, on a ship that's not 100% vaccinated. Um, and so we're very happy with our decision. We're, we're extremely pleased that the courts agreed with our position. Um, if you read the 59-page uh, opinion by, by Judge Williams, it is uh, a blistering, a blistering uh, attack or assault on the logic of the, of the defendant. Um, and so we're very pleased. Uh, at the same time, we're very disappointed that uh, that we're going to have to uh, go through this again uh, on appeals. Uh, you would think that a state that depends on tourism as much as Florida would um, would accept the, the, the court's ruling and, and move on. But, I mean, uh, that's not the case. We're prepared to fight and win again in the appeals uh, uh, process. Um, and um, and we'll see what happens. But for now, it's a it's a, a victory for public health more than anything else. It's a victory for the cruise industry and certainly one for my three brands. And of course, in your initial suit against them, you basically said that they were hampering your ability to provide a safe environment, a safe and healthy environment for your passengers. And that seems to be borne out in the surveys that I've seen from prospective cruise passengers who overwhelmingly say that they would not go on a ship unless everybody was vaccinated. Yeah, look, it's, it's common sense. Would, would you go, if you knew that there were people who were not vaccinated, um, would you go into a grocery store, a pharmacy? Would you go to your office? No, we, 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 we'd like to think that wherever you go, uh, people are vaccinated. But if you know for sure that people are not, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to be in that, uh, in that venue, whatever that venue may be. And certainly when you're on vacation, we forget sometimes that a cruise is a vacation. It's a leisure activity. You want to leave your, pro your troubles and problems at home. You want to have fun. The last thing you want to worry about is, am I going to get COVID on board a cruise ship? And so we think that by having 100% vaccination, you can, you can rest assured that this is the safest place on earth on land or at sea, because I know of no other place that guarantees that everyone around you in this venue called a ship is vaccinated. So let's talk about some of the other protocols that you've done, because it's not just enough to say you're vaccinated. You also have to, in some cases, for example, I was just in Greece. I had to provide a QR code to the government before I got there. I had to get a negative COVID test. I had to be fully vaccinated. And then before I ever got on the ship, in this case, it was a Silver Sea ship, I had to be tested at the port on a rapid test before they even let me on the ship. And of course, because of U.S. rules, 
I had to be tested before I left to be able to comply with U.S. regulations to be able to return home. None of that impacted my enjoyment of the cruise. In fact, it actually added to the comfort level. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, we have the Norwegian Jade operating out of Athens doing Greek Isle cruises, and we're going through the same uh, protocols. Um, they're mandated by um, uh, by the, the European equivalent of the CDC. In this country, uh, the CDC rules, and we're doing above, or our three brands are going above and beyond the CDC requirements. CDC says if you have 95% crew, 95% passengers vaccinated, that's good enough. I think that's not good enough. I think that in this pandemic, with the Delta variant being as transmissible as it is, to leave the back door open with up to 5% of crew, 5% of guests unvaccinated. So like I said, in a six, on a ship with 6,000 souls on board, 5% is 300 people. That's way too many given the Delta variant and its transmissibility. So one of the things that we do here in the United States, whether it's boarding passengers in Alaska, like in Seattle for Alaska cruises like we did last Saturday, what we're going to be doing out of uh, Florida this coming uh, Sunday on Norwegian Gem to the Caribbean. 100% vaccination, no, no exceptions, period, end stop. And we test you at our expense at the pier. And on every single sailing that we've operated now, and that's been four, six sailings, there are one or two or three, no more than three people who have tested positive at the terminal, which we deny boarding to them and any close contacts they may have. So we know that this uh, there are breakthrough cases, uh, in, even though people are fully uh, vaccinated, many cases, uh, many times are asymptomatic, but we want to take no chances. So let, let's go through your question of what else have we done? So 100% vaccination. But, but let me stop there, right there for one second, Frank. I get the 100% vaccination, but what about children? What about kids under the age of 12? Uh, they're not coming on board until they're vaccinated. So we do have children over the age of 12, and we're expecting, according to Dr. Scott Gottlieb, we're expecting to have uh, emergency uh, use uh, authorization for children under uh, the age of 12, from 5 to 12, uh, before the end of the year. You've got three different cruise lines, Frank. You've got Norwegian, you've got Oceania, and you've got Regent. How has this affected your schedule? Because it's one thing to say 100% vaccination, but you also had to get your crews vaccinated. And in many cases, they, you know, they were coming from countries that didn't have the vaccines or wouldn't even let them in. You had to figure out a way to get them vaccinated first, didn't you? Yeah, look, uh, among the, the challenges is to obtain vaccines for our crew. Um, vaccines are not yet available commercially. We, we are in conversations with uh, Moderna and Pfizer and J all of them uh, about being able to purchase vaccines for our, our crew. Uh, they're not available yet. The government is still sequestering all, um, all vaccines. But I'll tell you that um, uh, the, uh, there are many foreign countries, in, in, including Greece, who have been very accommodating Italy even the United States, where um, if, if we sail a ship to those shores or if we operate a vessel out of those countries, they will vaccinate our, our crew for us. We still face travel restrictions for crew, port closures, uh, visa, the whole, you know, this world of ours had done a very, very good job of synchronizing all the different components that made the world economy turn. You know, we talk about on time, just in time deliveries as an example. And, and we've seen the, the shortages of different products around the world 
in our own country that seem absurd. Remember a year ago, you couldn't find toilet paper? <laughs> yes, I do. The consumption of toilet paper didn't suddenly increase. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> there wasn't an outbreak of, uh, of intestinal uh, uh, situations, uh, but things just broke down. And, um, and, and we're, we're seeing some of that continue around the world where, for example, just obtaining work visas for our crew is not as easy as it once was. It's just, you know, there, there's some sand in the gears, so to speak. But we have managed to, to do a patchwork and cobble together the crew necessary to, um, to man these vessels. Like I said, 100% crew vaccinated. We have a schedule, Peter, that we, we issued a week ago at our earnings call that shows that by the end of the third quarter, by the end of September, we'll have eight of our 28 ships uh, operating. By the end of the year, we'll have 17 of the 28. And by April 1st, the last vessel to come online is on April 1st, April Fool's Day, the Oceana Nautica. So by, by April 1st, all 28 vessels will be operating. Now, that assumes a cer certain things. It assumes, first and foremost, that the ports uh, that we intend to operate from and visit are open. And today, many of them are, but many of them are not. So, for example, we have vessels that are scheduled to start in the January, February timeframe, six months from now, seven months from now, in Australia, New Zealand, Japan, South America, Today, those places are not open. So we are hopeful that by then they will be open and we can operate. If they're not open and we can't operate, those vessels will remain uh, you know, laid up, as we call it, and they will return to service later in the spring when those vessels normally would return either to the Alaska theater or the European operations. But port closures, big, big question mark, Travel restrictions, you know, today, um, uh, Americans are allowed to travel to, to the UK, for example. They're still not allowed to travel to other places. Europeans are not allowed to travel to the US. And roughly 10% of our business comes from Europeans who want to cruise in the Caribbean, Alaska. So there are still challenges. But I'll tell you, as I said in my earnings call, that cumulatively, we are better booked for 2022 and beyond by a very, very wide margin, Peter, I mean, 30, 40% better than we've ever been at this stage of the booking curve, even comparing it to 2019, a record year. So we believe that these strict protocols that we've implemented throughout our fleet, no matter where the ships are in the world, whether Greece, Alaska, you name it, um, it have become a competitive advantage. We talked about that earlier. People, not everybody, but the vast majority from my perspective from what I'm seeing, the vast majority of people who intend to cruise would prefer to cruise on a fully vaccinated ship. And that's what we're offering. Now, you talk about port closures. Of course, the big bad one was Alaska last year and, of course, this year. Uh, Canada did open up earlier this week to vaccinated Americans, but they've kept their ports closed at least until November 1st. That's sort of academic because by November 1st, no one's sailing in Canada and Canadian ports anyway. But what does this say to you about your Alaska cruise season for next year? Well, I think it'll be pretty normal. Uh, we'll be able to return to, uh, to Canada. You know, we're, we in the industry just are forever grateful to the Alaska delegation uh, led by Senator Sullivan Markowski, Congressman Young. They took this issue bull by the horns. And can you imagine that they got both houses of Congress, which was necessary, 
through unanimous consent. I mean, Congress can't agree to war to go to lunch, never mind a, a change law. They changed it in, 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 in record time, unanimous consent, and they lifted what is referred to as the PVSA, which is yep. the, the law that, that requires us to touch a foreign port before we are returning to, um, to debark guests. So this waiver allowed us to operate Alaska cruises this summer without the requirement of touching a Canadian port, which in the case of Alaska was usually uh, uh, Vancouver or Victoria or very rarely Prince Rupert. And instead, we now get to visit more Alaska ports. And quite frankly, that's what our customers want. I think the, the, the itinerary that we can operate without the, Ala without the Canadian ports is a preferable itinerary. So I'm not quite wishing that this stays on forever, but... Um, <laughs> You're kind of liking this, because... I, mean, I kind of like it, yeah. I mean, from a, from a cruise passenger perspective, you don't even need a passport. Uh, that's right. That's right. Just your driver's license. I mean, because you're not stopping in a foreign port. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Last but not least, Frank, what are you doing physically on the ships that, that, have, that have changed? Last summer, together with Royal Caribbean, we stood up uh, what we referred to as a healthy sail panel that was headed by former governor of Utah and former director of human health and services, Mike Levitt and Dr. Scott Godley. They recruited a blue panel, uh, blue chip panel to, to help us. This is pre-vaccines. So their goal was, how do we get the cruise industry to operate safely without a vaccine? And they came up with 74 recommendations. Each one of them we have adopted. Um, many have to do with enhanced cleaning and closing the buffets when there's high prevalence. But they also said, you got to change your air filtration system. And my company has spent nearly $100 million in, in physically changing the air filtration system. Last Friday, we, we showcased uh, our new filtration system, uh, MERV 13 filters, 99.9% .9 effective to keep virus out of the airborne, the same ones used in hospitals. And uh, we showcased it to Dr. Gottlieb and Dr. Steve Ostroff, who's a member of the panel, and they were blown away at how effective it is. So we spent a lot of money on air filtration. We built uh, extra ICU units. We cordoned off a portion of uh, a deck of one of, the, of each passenger vessel to have uh, quarantine areas. We, we have signage. We have more contactless uh, operations like our muster station, check-in, facial recognition, all, all the things you see implemented in, in regular society, not shipboard, but everyday life, plus, plus all these other things. So we think that the the combination of 100% vaccination, everyone gets tested. This enhanced, um, and it's not enhanced a little bit. I'm talking about this is state-of-the-art filtration system aboard cruise ships. You know, I, I, again, as I've said before to other folks, I can look you in the eye, Peter, and, and believe that there is no safer place on earth for you to be in than on board one of our vessels right now. So I've got one last question. I got to do the for instance. Of course, the, the Florida case is now being litigated again. The state of Florida is going to appeal the ruling that you just got. Uh, let's go down the road and give you a worst case scenario for you that the state of Florida's case is upheld on appeal. You know, the cruise industry is uniquely positioned literally to move your assets, right? You don't have to sail out of Florida. You can sail out of everywhere. You did that after 9-11. You move ships from different ports uh, to ports in America that didn't even know they had ports at that point, right? So 
uh, are you basically saying that if, if you lose this on appeal, you're going to take your marbles elsewhere? No, I don't want to say that at all. Florida is very, very important. Roughly a third of our business originates out of Florida in terms of cruising. Florida is also day in and day out the number one source market. Floridians love to cruise. We, we, we believe we have a strong case. We're not even thinking about losing at the 11th district. If we do, there's always a Supremes. Don't forget them. But also, look, by the time this works its way through the court system, it'll be months and months and months from now. And I am um, hopeful that months and months and months from now, we won't have to have the requirement of 100% vaccinated crews because the, the pandemic will have eased or, or, or you know, been lifted. The, the, the emergency public health warnings have been lifted. So we have to be hopeful. We, we are, you know, as humans, we are hopeful. We, the, the glass is always half full. And, uh, and so we're, we're hopeful that uh, continued vaccination better therapeutics that are, that are in the works. And already there's there is several Regenerons. A drug that got approved in the last couple of weeks is, is very important for the peace of mind in the event you get COVID. So we, we need Florida. And that's, and that's why we, we filed this suit, Peter. Not because I want to leave Florida. Florida is key, not just for my brand, but key to the industry. And, um, and we weren't going to let this situation with, uh, you know, the politics ruined Florida's good name, good standing, great brand for the for the vacationing public. If, if this law was allowed to stand, Florida would de facto become the least safe, highest risk place to cruise from, which is the opposite of what we want. We want people to feel confident about coming to Florida and cruising out of Florida ports. And so we, we believe that uh, we have the science on our side, we have the law on our side. You read the 59 page uh, report from, uh, or opinion from, from the courts. Um, we think we're on solid ground and we don't believe it'll come to, to that, 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 that our industry will have to leave uh, Florida. I, we're not going to. My thanks to Frank. Now, if you want to take the temperature of the travel industry, no one is better at it than Matthew Upchurch, chairman and CEO of Virtuoso, the huge and powerful global consortium of travel advisors. I sat down with Matthew to talk disruption, adjustment, and opportunity. Matthew, welcome again. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for being here again. You know, we, we talk about a year, I'll take that back, 17 months of disruption. People's lives changed, maybe forever. But the one thing that doesn't seem to change, and I talk about this every week, is, is travel itself, because it's part of our cultural DNA. It's not that we just want to travel. We need to travel. Uh, you and I have talked about this before. But now, as we're seeing the numbers start to radically change, uh, I'll give you an example, and I talked about this at the, at the earlier part of the show. Coming out here from New York the other night, Delta Airlines, their flights were so overbooked uh, that they were offering $1,200 vouchers <laughs> For anybody to give up their seat to come to Las Vegas in August. <laughs> I know. It's, it's pretty amazing. You know, one of the things I've been saying is no, nothing motivates human behavior like having something taken away from you that you took for granted. Um, oh, and, and by the way, when you talk about taking for granted, we took everything for granted yeah. until 9-11. We took everything for granted until the volcano uh, erupted in yeah. Iceland, the economic debacle in 2008, exactly. 2000, and now we have this. Exactly. And every single one of these disruptions have shown that, you know, there was there was... 
one of my favorite uh, narratives is to say, you know, disruptions accelerate trends. And as you know so well, those great statistics that I, we all need to keep repeating so that people understand the magnitude of the travel industry's economic impact, social impact, et cetera. Those are, those are big numbers. And we were already on a trend. You know, people had already been on a multi-decade trend of moving away from buying just goods and stuff and really putting their money in experiences. And that's all based on... And that's what's happening over the last five to seven years. Oh, yeah. No, actually, I, you know, and, and, it's, and what's happened is you have these disruptions and then it's almost like a slingshot, right? And it, it basically, it's like, I mean, I remember this one customer in the middle of, the, of, of 2020 saying, you know, at the end of the day, there's only so much wine and so much furniture I can buy. <laughs> Which, you know, I said, and I'm like, one other customer literally said, and I just, it was really moving. She goes, this not being able to travel is, to me, is almost like a family mental health issue, right? It's like, you know, we're, we, we need to be out there. Human beings are made, are curious. We're social animals. It's the only reason we exist as a species. Um, and so, you know, all of the trends that had made 2019 the, literally the, the biggest year of travel in the history of the planet. Um, and one of the reasons for that was also something we've shared before on your show is that never in the history of mankind have we had so many generations. So when the baby boomer, the last baby boomer turned 60 in, in, in uh, 2024, it'll be the first generation in the history of the planet where 80% of the generation is expected to live an entire additional generation, which is 20 to 25 years, and in relative health. We've always had 80-year-olds, just not that many. And then you've got millennials and, and Gen well, Z. Well, you, get, you gave me a, a percentage the last time we talked yeah. that was staggering about the percentage of 85-year-olds that are alive. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. And eighty, so, so the well, the first of the you know the the, 80, the number of ADOs has been going up you know dramatically. But what I'm saying is, over the next 15, 15 years, I mean, healthy eighty year olds is a huge market. So you have this this cross generational thing. So yeah, th- those are the two forces, right? I want to spend my money on experiences, and I want to and and the number of people that are traveling, both the youngest and the eldest, and. You know, you mentioned 9-11. One of the things we had been seeing is uh, multi-generational travel had already started to tick up. After 9-11, it slingshotted. Oh, my God. I remember being in Paris after 9-11, about maybe two months later, mm-hmm. and I walked into a hotel that was completely oversold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the old Hilton in Paris, oversold by America. And they're crowded in the lobby. And I went, they're here? And I walked up to everybody I asked the same question to, and everybody I got the same answer. I said, so you're here, yeah. And you decided to come here, why? And why now? Everybody without exception said, we felt if we didn't come now, we'd never come. Mm-hmm. It was a sort of a last supper approach to travel, and it was multi-generational. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and, and within the multi-generational thing, the other really cool thing, because of this longevity revolution, um, as Dr. Ken Dykewell calls it, you know, the longevity revolution, you have this other really cool thing that, have, that had started to happen, which is called skip-gen travel, which is the grandparents taking the grandkids and leaving the parents behind, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, because they had to go work and do whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and so that was really, that. there's been a lot of interesting trends. Um, and uh, But again, the desire for travel, um, you know, is just, the pent-up demand is right. And, and we, have mem- we have agencies all over the world, and Whenever, whenever protocols and open borders allow, it's just like the gates get knocked down. Of course, but let's go back to February and March of last year mm-hmm. because it allowed the travel industry, 
whether they wanted to or not. Yeah. It allowed consumers, whether they wanted to or not, to have a do-over, to yeah. do a reset, yeah. to basically say, okay, what have we been doing wrong? Yeah. What are we doing right? And all of a sudden, let's clean out the closet <laughs> yeah. and throw stuff out. Yeah. I mean, and then figure out what's important to us. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, as you know, you know, having the World Travel and Tourism Council, one of the things that we've spent a lot of time on is, um, you know, we call it, we want a conscious comeback of travel. You know, there are things about travel that needed to change. Um, and travel has got to be more responsible and it's got to be more conscious. And I think that, you know, you're seeing, you know, you're seeing the, 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 and, when, and when we talk about sustainable travel, right, everybody thinks of the planet, and that's absolutely one of the cores. But the other is um, preservation of natural cultural heritage and benefiting local economies. And, you know, we've, we've seen that. And I remember you, know, you, you look at people forget that tourism dollars are one of the biggest drivers for helping rural areas, remote places, conservation, you know, things like that. So it, it, that's another thing. And then, of course, even places. You know, I've, I've spoken to the mayor of Florence. I've spoken to the vice mayor of Amsterdam. You know, some of these cities are rethinking, you know, uh, the perspective of, like, when this comes back, what do I want it to be? They took down the, the hashtag in front of the, the city hall in Amsterdam, right, because it became this, like, you know, <laughs> unpleasant <laughs> gathering spot. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. We all remember those terrible optics of the princess ship being quarantined in Yokohama, the Holland America ships unable to dock because people were were sick and dying. Uh, Those are indelible images that everybody then, of course, the, the three words that we heard from that point on was floating Petri dish. And yet, I just got off a cruise ship, uh, Silver Sea, in left of Athens, and their protocols were their officers had to be vaccinated, their crew had to be vaccinated, you had to be vaccinated, you had to be tested before you ever got to Greece, you had to be tested before you ever got on the cruise ship. And with 100% vaccination compliance, the argument can now easily be made that it may be the safest place to be. Well, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about this because, you know, if it, if it bleeds, it leads. This is obviously the thing. And, and Look, were, we there had, some, wait, wait, were, from, were there some real issues? Well, yes. yes, we had a absolutely. We, we were obligated to report right, those. absolutely. But the flip side of that is, I would say to you that a lot of that stuff happened in the very early upon the pandemic, right? And they, you know, some of those things that were happening were no different than some countries. <laughs> you know, the countries were figuring out what to do, what not to do, et cetera. They were so the so the issue is. We heard of all, all those stories. You brought up Silver Seas, right? We didn't hear the story about Silver Seas chartering a 787 Dreamliner because that's all they could get their hands on to evacuate, what, 70 people from, from I think it was Santiago or somewhere like that, in order to repatriate them. We, we didn't, you know, there's so many stories that are incredible stories about what they did. And by the way, here's the proof in the pudding. Ultimately, the reason the cruise lines, why they're still afloat, et cetera, is because people that have cruised the loyalty they've had, what they did, the vast majority, the mass, vast majority, the number of cruisers that said, no, keep my money, future cruise credit. No, I'm buying new. So 
they were able to stay financed because of the loyalty of the cruiser that actually knows the product rather than the sensationalist part of the other side. The other thing that I thought was interesting to note is if you actually look at the real numbers here of how many Americans actually cruised, let's say, in 2019, it was less than 30 million. And they're loyal. Yeah. They're repeaters. They want to come back. Um, they have an entitlement issue with many of their ships. They, they have a, an emotional yeah. attachment. And when some of the cruise lines put up for sale, their highest ticket items, world cruises, where the you know the cabin price is $75,000 per person, it sold out in, in like three five hours. hours. Oh, three hours, three excuse hours. me. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that goes to show you, right? So, and by the way, I'm with you. I think that some of the things that the cruise industry has done with filtration, with protocols, with whatever... I think they're gonna they're gonna have some of the and by the way there was one other reason I remember saying in the middle of all that here's another thing that was that was difficult about 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 them they're the only form of travel Peter that measures health perfectly meaning no other form because they have because of, of norovirus and the other things whatever they have to report to the CDC they have medical facilities you know your hotel doesn't have a hospital your hotel doesn't have you know, in-house. Uh, so part of the thing was is that they're the, they're the only form of travel that that literally has statistics on, you know, on any kind of health and issue. And that you 100%, can 100%. And right. that you can measure. And that you can measure. That's my point. Right. Now, you brought up another word, the big R word, the largest source of complaints in the year 2020 and 2021, which was refunds. Mm -hmm. Passengers' inability across all forms of travel, not just cruise lines, but mm -hmm. tour operators and hotels and airlines to get their money back. Mm -hmm. Uh, we know there are rules on, on, on the books for years that predated the pandemic from the U.S. Department of Transportation when it comes to airlines. But everybody else is sort of like, you know, crazy out there right now. Uh, there are certain cruise lines that are still owing millions and millions of dollars back to their passengers who really do want the money. Mm -hmm. So where have you seen the trends going in the last six months in terms of people actually getting their money back? It's, it's yeah, it, it that that was, I mean, first of all, everyone, you know, the, the cruise industry, not just the cruise industry, the entire travel industry is built on float, right? And so that's one of the reasons. And pricing and travel has always been through what, you know, we know in the industry is yield management, which basically means if you are, if you want this rate, it's non-refundable. But then it gets into that gray area. Well, well non-refundable if you're not operating, well, then how do I get it back? So it's been improving. It's really almost a case-by-case, -case, you know, this is where virtuous advisors Really, really shine because we used our, our relationships and things to to be able to, to, to improve. Well, not to be a shill for you guys, but I will say this. If there was ever a time to measure the value of a travel agent or a travel advisor, it was during the pandemic because yeah. they became advocates for their clients. They were lobbying hard to get them refunds or rebooking, in many cases, not generating any revenue for yeah. them, and in fact, losing revenue, because if they were able to get refunds, they lost their commissions in the process. Um, and right now, I mean, we've come full circle. My biggest levels of complaints that I'm getting from our viewers, inability to get people on the phone, yeah. inability to contact airlines, being put on hold for three and four and five mm -hmm. hours. If there was ever a time to use a travel advisor, mm -hmm. this is it. Because what people don't understand is, what I'm seeing on my screen when I go online to make a reservation is not what my travel advisor is seeing online. They're seeing a completely set of different set of inventory and availability. Plus, in many cases, they have a preferred supplier relationship with those suppliers that can get me things that I normally just couldn't get. So uh, right now, think about this. How much is your time worth? Do you really want to spend five hours on hold? Not, And then after that, 
not to get the the, the solution that you wanted in the first place. I mean, that's the time to, yeah. to talk to a travel advisor. In the midst of the 17-month craziness, there have been some dramatic shifts in traveler behavior. You know, people going from, I want to go to my traditional bucket list to throw the bucket list out. To go to, going to you know the traditional destinations to I want to go anywhere I can breathe to go from traditional let's say wellness re- uh, relationship vacations to I just want to go hiking I mean, forget wellness just get me out right and as as Matthew and I were talking before people booking cruises now uh, with a vengeance almost where it was the bad word eighteen months ago so where do you see I mean we all know certain trends have changed. For example, yes, you will be sitting in the middle seat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's inevitable. Forget it. And different airlines have different rules about masks, about when they're going to get rid of them. But they don't have different rules about why you need to wear them. And they don't have different rules about alcohol. And they don't have different rules about passenger behavior, mm. which, by the way, is is not getting getting better. It's getting worse. And hopefully, by the end of the summer, it will somehow stabilize. But what do you see as the major trend happening now not in terms of whether people are going to travel. We know that, Matthew, yeah, yeah. but how they're going to travel. Well, I think one of the things that the pandemic did is it, it actually taught people, I mean, we're, we're seeing longer trips. We're seeing a combination of longer trips. The other thing that was accelerated, you know, a, a trend that got accelerated is we had, been, we had been noticing that a lot of our most sophisticated travelers were starting to book their travel like their fifth grade science project. <laughs> you mean, what the heck am I talking about? Remember when we were in the fifth grade and we were taught that that science project about volume and you had a jar and you had rocks, pebbles, and sand. And your teacher said, all this fits in that jar, but it only fits a certain way. And basically, the idea is that we've been seeing uh, uh, travelers having a much more conscious uh, idea of what they wanted to do. So their rocks were like, they're kind of milestone trips. You know, hey, I'm turning 50 or, or my kids are graduating from, from, from high school or doing this, whatever those milestones are. And kind of their, their, their anchor trips over a period of let's say over the next four or five years then they had kind of their mid mid-level trips and then the sand is kind of like the the, the capstone at the grocery store oh i can go to cabo for blah 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 this you know this weekend and it was a very interesting kind of evolution because really great travel advisors you know in the virtual network we had it's interesting you talk about the the bucket list yes and no because we've actually developed a tool called wanderlist that is the gamification of your travel dream. So when we were all in lockdown, we said, hey, we may not be able to travel, but nobody's going to stop us from dreaming. And it's crazy. You know what I did during the, during the pandemic? I made a lot of lists. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That, well, yeah. this is Wonderlist, yeah. right? But it was been interesting because it, it engaged everybody in being able to be more thoughtful. And one of the coolest parts that happened was the way this works is that everybody in a family, so the youngest person to use it was six years old, the oldest was 86 years old, and when people did their own lists and kind of what they wanted to do, I didn't know my daughter wanted to go to Japan. I didn't know, I thought my, I mean, these are real stories. I thought my husband hated long-haul flights and I never, ever thought he would ever go to Hawaii because I live in Alabama, right? And, And so people started finding out things about themselves. So, um, so I think the way they're planning is different. I think, and by the way, right now, particularly in, in luxury and experiential travel, if you're not thinking about booking stuff in 22 and 20, like for example, the best African safari lodges right now, they're practically sold out for 22 and 23. I mean, it's 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 people are booking out. Um, the World Cruise we mentioned, right? I mean, that's the 20, <laughs> that's the 1923. You know, it's sold out in three hours. Uh, that's another one. I think. Um, Longer vacations, too, where people have said, you know what? 
I know I now know I can actually go somewhere, do my job in a separate. So I'll spend four hours working, right? And so then it's, it's hybrid vacations. It's hybrid vacations, absolutely, and 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 it's leading to longer. Um, Longer vacations. Okay, so now that brings up the topic of risk tolerance, comfort mm, level. Yep. Uh, you know, we're in a situation now where the U.S. State Department has got a level four do not travel advisory to 80% of the globe. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I argue that they're painting with too broad a brush. It's too crazy. But it's not, interestingly enough, I'm looking at the numbers. It's not stopping people from going to Greece. It's not stopping them from going to France. It's not stopping them from going to Israel. It's not stopping them from going to the places that are level four. Well, because frankly, those levels are, are the same levels are in our own country. So whether you're going to certain places in our country, right, at different levels. Yeah. Let me give you the way I look at the world. There are 196 countries in the world. There are only about four places I wouldn't go. And I define that by a, a place where no one is in control. So would I go to North Korea tomorrow? I would. I know who's in control. Would I go to Iran tomorrow? I would because I know who's in control. Would I go to Syria tomorrow? No, I would not. I don't know who's in control. Would I go to Yemen tomorrow? Probably not. And maybe two or three places in New Jersey. But other than that, other than that, I'm going. But I'm going to go one step beyond that in terms of being a contrarian traveler. I'm going to throw this out to you, Matthew, for your response. And, and I'm not being insensitive. I'm not being politically incorrect. I'm being practical. Anytime there's a major civil disturbance... Every time there's a major natural disaster, I look at travel in a different way. I go, wow, the best time to go is immediately after that. Because first of all, you can help out. But second of all, everybody will be thrilled to see you. And you're going to experience it without crowds of tour buses, without long lines, with a genuine, authentic, ex immersive experience in the culture and the people of that country. So when you talked earlier in the segment about an attempted coup in Turkey and your clients calling saying, Let's go. I'm not surprised about that at all. Yeah, and it, it works two ways. It actually, you know, the job of a great travel advisor is not is to give you to collaborate with you on giving you all the best information, knowing that if you're there on the ground, you know, we have, you know, medevac companies that we recommend. We now have one that specializes in, in COVID evacuations, for example. We have people on the ground, right? And and forget about even that, right? Somebody had a heart attack and we have a virtuoso on site in that country and they help out. So that's where we give the comfort. But at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 the same form you you sign when you go bungee jumping, right? It's called informed consent, and we have people. You know, risk tolerance is a very personal thing. But I wanted to add to that because it's not only do we have customers. You know, risk tolerance is oh, there was a coup. I want to go next week, or somebody stubbed their toe. And, and by the way, that doesn't mean that people are being irresponsible. Not at all. Or or, or thrill seeking behavior. No, 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 no. Not at all. You don't go like the day after, right? Right. But to your point. Well, and that's what I was going to add to it. So we have customers do that. But we've done that as an organization for 30 years. When, you know, my daughter was actually living in Paris when the Bataclan, you know, massacres happened. And we went there about four weeks afterwards, three weeks afterwards or whatever. But we also went there because as a show of support and solidarity and helping the destination. And you're absolutely right about people being, uh, you know, I remember our symposium in Cairo um, in, uh, what was it, in 2001, right? And the Abu Simbel, you know, uh, attacks there, etc. So we actually, or I was born in Mexico City. I remember going to Mexico City, right, you know, a year after H1N1, etc., to help that, that destination. So you're absolutely right. But again, it's a very personal, you know, as a group or as a, or, or as a, a personal choice, risk tolerance is, is our job is to help people ascertain 
to the best of our ability what they what the risk factors are what the what what the um, moves are what assets we have to help them and then and then allow them to do that my definition of true luxury vacation is when you get to keep all your options you don't necessarily have to use them right. but you got to have them right and so much of air travel today is about all the options you no longer have because they've taken them away from you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and I guess the question right now for you as you begin to advise your clients, not just on where to go and how to go, but what to expect, how many different travel providers may be using the pandemic as an excuse to cut back on service? How many of them will be saying, oh, oh by the way, housekeeping from now on is optional at your hotel? Are you kidding me? And they actually make the comment, one of the major hotel brands saying, our customers have told us they're not comfortable having somebody come in their room. I don't think so. I think it's a question of educating the customer about how they come in the room. I do want my bed made. I'm paying for that. I do want new towels. I'm forgetting the environmental aspects, which we can talk about. Yep, yep. You, I'm talking about the concept itself. Yep, yep. Uh, how many airlines now are not serving meals? Because they're using it, well, airline food could be an oxymoron anyway. But you know what I'm saying? They're they're cutting back, right? My, I'll give you my my pandemic battle with with American Airlines. Here it comes. When you fly an American, and I've done, I've gone on the air with this every week. I'm still fighting this one. I I'm not on the plane because I value the rich Corinthian leather. I'm not on the plane because I value the Broadway show tunes. The flight attendants will not be performing on board. I'm on the plane to go from A to B and not die, and for one other reason. There's one other thing I value on that plane. If I'm in first class, I value the ice cream sundae, and if I'm in coach, I value the two little Biscoff cookies, right? And they usually give you the two little Biscoff cookies in a little package, and it was like, you've, you knew it was coming. Yeah. You lived for that. On the way to the airport, you're thinking, Biscoff cookies. And then guess what? They took them away. Now you get on the plane, they brought them back, but they only give you one Biscoff cookie, and it's smaller. Are you kidding me? And they're using that because of the pandemic? I don't think so. The accountants who rule the asylum are making us crazy. Bring back the Biscoffs. Matthew Upchurch, please comment. <laughs> it's all going to normalize back, I can tell you that. Are because, you promising me my Biscoffs? I, I can't promise you that, but I can tell you, uh, you know, I, it, this is all going to normalize back. My thanks to Matthew. Remember the movie Goodfellas? It was actually a travel story. Well, sort of. It was about the largest cash robbery in American history. And where did that money come from? Off a Lufthansa flight that had landed at Kennedy Airport back in 1978. It was one wild story. But there's now another case with an even bigger money haul. And it's a travel story again. And I'll talk about that robbery with the producer of The Money Plane, part of the Netflix series Heist. His name? Chuck Malkus. I'm reminded of a, one of my favorite movies of all time uh, with Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Goodfellas. And it basically told the true story of what was then the largest cash robbery in the history of America at any one time. Happened in 1978 in the, in the hangar and the cargo hangar of Lufthansa at JFK. And for those of you who remember the movie, it was a crazy story. They knew that that plane came in every week with a lot of repatriated U.S. currency in small denominations, basically fives, tens, and twenties that Americans had used to exchange overseas, and it was coming back. Uh, in the real story, Jimmy the Gent knew that the uh, the guy who ran the cargo terminal at Lufthansa owed him a lot of money for bets that he'd lost, so he made him a deal. And the deal was, leave the back door open after the plane comes in and the money's put into the safe. We're going to come in, probably beat you up a little bit, and take the money. 
And he put together a gang that almost couldn't shoot straight. And they had one like 40 Conaline van. Uh, they actually came in. The back, the back door was open. They opened the vault. And instead of finding like $800,000, it was a big haul. It was like $7 million. They had so much physical cash that they had guys literally stuffed in the back of the van with cash on top of them, cash on the bottom of them, strapped to the top of the roof where guys holding on. They did this around 3 or 4 in the morning. I'm not going to tell you what happened in the story, but it's a remarkable story of investigation. And in the real story, they never got them for the, for the cash. They never got them for the robbery. They never even got Jimmy the Jet for all the people he supposedly killed because he was worried they might talk. They got him for something else. I'm not going to tell you what that is. But now Netflix has launched a series called Heist. And as part of that, a couple of episodes are called The Money Plane. And joining me now, the producer of that, Chuck Malkus, who has a, an, un, another interesting story to tell because it's another heist of money on a plane. Right, Chuck? Yes, Peter, and you've described the Lutanza heist that took place at JFK very well. I will tell you that the two Money Plane episodes will prove to be much bigger and much more colorful than Goodfellas. Um, so it was another Lutanza heist, actually, at Miami International in 2005, in which $7.4 million was stolen compared to about the five and a half million from the JFK heist. And what makes this story perhaps even more interesting than Goodfellas is that Carl's Monsoon and his gang of misfits, uh, five guys, first time criminals, never done anything wrong in their life, not even a parking ticket. They gathered their intel first from watching television crime shows like CSI and <laughs> FBI files. And so that's the research they did, number one. And then number two, they, you know, come to find out that once again on Sunday afternoons that there's a tons of flight that arrives at Miami International with $100 million. And it goes from the aircraft to a warehouse where the guards are not carrying guns, where the security cameras aren't working, and which is accessible by a, a side road from the airport. And they basically pull up with a pickup truck on a Sunday afternoon. And thankfully in this robbery, no one was shot or killed. What they did learn, Peter, was that money is very heavy. <laughs> denominations with a hundred dollar bills so the most they could load up on a pickup truck was 7.4 million and the bills are flying around but they get away with it and the fbi for over two months had no clue who did it there was really no evidence left behind and carl's monzone tells his misfits listen Lay low. Keep working. Don't throw money around. Don't go buy a new car. And so four of the five guys follow his lead. However, the fifth, who happened to be his brother-in-law, was throwing money around like it was going out of style, including at nightclubs, adult entertainment clubs. And he ends up getting kidnapped. Not once, but he gets kidnapped twice. <laughs> and, he, and that was the only downfall of this game. 
And so I, I think uh, everyone uh, tuning into Netflix will find this to be fascinating. Uh, I, I, I should share that the only reason that Monsoon claims that he did the heist was for his family. Uh, unfortunately, uh, his wife, Cinnamon, uh, suffered two miscarriages. And the only way that Monsoon, who's a, a Cuban immigrant, was able to obtain dollars for an expensive adoption, in his mind, was pulling off the country's largest airport heist. You know, the other story that, that needs to be told, because I know this is a coincidence that there are both Lufthansa flights, is that every single day, planes that are landing, uh, that are coming from overseas, especially what's in the cargo hold is fascinating. We spent time in the airports in Dubai, in Doha, uh, in Frankfurt, you know, major international hub airports, and their cargo operations are absolutely fascinating. We're not just talking about cash. We're talking about museum art. We're talking about jewelry. We're talking about you know gold bullion. We're talking about you know uh, unbelievably expensive cars and everything transit through these airports. And the security is not as 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 good as you might think, as evidenced by, of course, the Goodfellas case back in 1978 and the one you just done in in Money Plane. Uh, we may remember uh, Swiss Air Flight 111 that 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 flew, that basically crashed into the ocean uh, off the coast of Nova Scotia uh, many many years ago, and what was in that plane was unbelievable priceless art and a lot of money. And the guys who did the initial rescue work and the recovery work on that plane in water—we're talking divers—would tell me the story of getting down underwater and seeing. Bodies floating, covered in dollar bills, covered in hundred dollar bills that people were carrying in their briefcases, um, maybe not supposed to be carrying in their briefcases, but that's what was swirling around them at sixty feet of water. Uh, so the next time you see a plane coming into the terminal and basically you know disgorging passengers, just imagine what's in the hold below, and uh, and this story that you've done, the money plane, which pre- which is premiering this month on Netflix certainly tells that story. And of course, the moral to the story is, if you're going to steal all that cash, this is the one time you want to put it in a mattress. You do not want to get out there and spend it lavishly because you're calling attention to yourself, which by the way, and I know you know this, Chuck, is exactly what got everybody caught in Goodfellas, they were out buying new cars and you know mink stoles for their wives, and they just couldn't keep their mouths shut, and and uh, that was the downfall. I should I should t- yeah, and I should tell everybody that as the FBI was investigating the Goodfellas case, and by the way, this didn't happen in the movie; it's the real story I'm going to tell you. They finally got you know the Ray Liotta character uh, Henry Hill. And that's his. That was his, you know, uh, witness protection name. Um, and they got him in a room, and they said to him, "All right, tell you, tell us what you did. How did you plan this robbery? How did you plan to get into the to the hangar? What was the actual strategy here? And and what did you do on that Monday night?" And he said, "Oh, that wasn't on a Monday night. That was on a Tuesday night." And the FBI guy said, "Well, what were you doing on a Monday night?" He says, "Oh, that was the night we were fixing the basketball games." Excuse me, <laughs> and. And it turns out they were spending huge amounts of money to pay off, you know, Division One and Division Two A uh, basketball players in college to throw bricks, and and basically they were betting heavy on the under. 
And that's how they got him. That's how they finally put Jimmy the Gent in prison. Not for the Lufthansa robbery, not for killing half his gang members because they were talking. They got him for fixing basketball games. And uh, just an amazing story. And I'm really looking forward to seeing The Money Plane, uh, the first two episodes of The Money Plane, in fact, as part of the Netflix heist documentary series. My thanks to Chuck, to Matthew Upchurch, and to Frank Del Rio. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, be sure to rate or review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And for all the other breaking travel news, that's an easy one. Just log on to petergreenberg.com. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.